Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show is Miss Sarah McLean of Sweat 60 Infrared, coming to you from Prosper, Texas. Sarah, what's going on? How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited good. to have you here. I'm excited to, to dig into this. Now, Sarah and I got to jam a little bit before officially starting the interview here, um, and so I heard a little bit of the backstory here, but before we dive into strategy and, and tactics and whatnot, Sarah, why don't you just tell us a little bit about the gym first and foremost, so people know what it is that we're even here to talk about. How do you describe this thing? Um, I would say it's a boutique fitness studio. So we specialize in infrared training. So it's a infrared um, boutique fitness studio, but we provide more than just, usually typically it's yoga um, is in that realm. So we thought we would bring our, our favorite part of training to it and do cross training, and do a hit yoga format for people who have time crunches. And that seems to be one of the differences between us and other studios. I don't really know a lot that do cross training in the infrared and getting the benefits from that. Yeah. And, and so somewhat of a unique delivery, right? The model of it, we're in the fitness industry. Yeah. Everybody's here to yeah. help people in some capacity, but the fulfillment side is where you guys really sort of make your bones. Take us back. I want to I want to explore sort of when this whole thing came off. And and so when did not when did you open your doors? When did the idea come into your head? We're going to open up a gym of our own. Here's how we're going to go about it. When did this all start? Um, it started in April, spring break of 2020. We we decided it was right before COVID had happened. We um, I have two business partners and we've all worked together at different facilities and um, we were all working together training at a another a new facility that was opening then um, COVID hit and we found ourselves hmm what are we going to do with our time what what do we want to do how do we want to move forward and we had met a uh, another gym owner and she was a great mentor she still is a mentor to us um, and we're like you know we can do this and so we tried to develop what we wanted and we truly sat down at a coffee shop and just wrote out all of our favorite things about training, what helps people the most, what helps them the fastest, and what our whole mission is to serve people. And our community, we are built on a community. We, that, we strive to make connections with people. Mm. Um, we find that there's a lot greater fitness adherence when there's an emotional connection. Um, not only to the person next to you, but to the instructor and to the staff. And yeah. so it's retention of your instructors, but I was kind of diving ahead. Um, Which is important. But so basically at a coffee shop, <laughs> yeah. at a coffee shop, so we decided. in a coffee we, shop, ideas sparks on, on spring break, no less. And, and so from spring break 2020, how long did it take to officially open the doors and, and host your first classes? Really, I think it was nine months. Yeah. Nine months, because we had to completely build out we're not a franchise, so we had to develop all of the infrastructure from the ground up of what the what these strategies and what those processes look like in the studio so it can run as efficiently as possible. It's 
spent so a lot nine of time months, with. nine months went into it. Uh, and, and of course, during that process, finding a commercial space, right? A home for this thing is, is such a huge portion of this. What was important to you guys when it came to looking for a lease? What were some sort of non-negotiables that we were looking for? Um, truly, we, like I said, it's a small community where we live. So my business partner is friends with a commercial developer and they had a space um, that they had just built out and it was on frontage. That was what was important to us to get that frontage, um, that frontage uh, storefront. Mm -hmm. And that's what drove us to that spot. And we looked at other, other areas, but that seemed to be the best fit. And it was the most up and coming area that they were building all around there. And they were connecting one large shopping center to this smaller commercial space. Yep. And so location was really the driving Location point. was our driving point, yes. Okay, yes. how big is the facility? 2,500 square feet. Okay, so decent sized spot. When, when you guys were putting this all together and, and working through the plans, did you have an estimate for how many people you think you could serve or, or membership capacity? Was there, a, was there a goal or a target in mind? Um, our goal was 300. We felt like that would satisfy the business financially, our time, and it'll keep it running. Um, but it was interesting. That's what we thought in the beginning. A year and a half in, we our membership rate is at 200 to 215. Of course, that fluctuates. And it's fantastic. That's great, especially for a first, you know, a non-franchise business that is only a year and a half old. Yeah. Um, but when we first began, we were thinking like the studio space when it came to like designing it and implementing what we wanted. We were thought, oh, we can fit 38 people in here. No, okay. we can't fit 38 people in there. <laughs> More or less. Less. We can only fit yeah. 26. So yeah. that was. That affects numbers a little bit. A little bit it definitely does and um, what was the what was the discrepancy there uh one we kept the COVID the COVID uh 16 six feet of six feet got it, we did five got feet, it. but yeah yeah that's, and so that's an interesting time for you to launch a business first and foremost uh we got it going right at the the perfect time to get into the industry but at least you're able to operate with with some level of normalcy now you kept the distancing is it by by governmental restriction? Not quite more a society thing, I would assume. Um, well, the one cool thing about building out during COVID is you can create all your infrastructure around what the new terms of clean are and what you can put policies and procedures in place of how you clean the equipment and how you transition for classes. Like we were able to do um, higher, like HEPA air filters, UVC lighting, non-porous uh, flooring, like antimicrobial floors. We were able to do, um, oh goodness, like steam cleaning, all these different things that we could bring to the table that would create a safer place for people. That was the priority at the time for a lot of people and to bring people back into a gym because I'm asking you to come into a gym and I want you to sweat and I don't want you to like get sick. So it's right. a big ask for people, go and sweat on everybody and not be and not be afraid to sweat yeah. on it sure so I, I mean yeah a little bit of a, a paradigm shift to the industry but it allowed you guys yeah, it was 26 is the number that we're working with instead of 38 yes. it is what yes. it is 
And, and so you mentioned the membership overall, somewhere around 200 to 215 with some fluctuation there. Uh, walk us through sort of the marketing that went into getting to this in the first place. Was this entirely word of mouth? Did we put some money into an advertising budget? How did, how did we get here? How did we get, well, let's talk to the right gal because I'm in charge of the marketing piece of it. Um, truly, we don't have a large marketing budget. So we really paid attention to the trends of when people did come in. We have a big following in our area personally so we were able to kind of build off of that and people and hitting it right when the end of COVID, if you will, everybody wanted to come back. Everybody wanted community. So we were definitely on the upper swing of that, if you will. I'm trying to think what marketing wise, we didn't do a lot. We did a lot of social media marketing is where we drive most of our okay. uh our energy and our finances, we drive um, about 80%, 70 to 80% of our business comes from word of mouth. And the other 20% comes from people just driving by. And yeah, the, loca yeah, the location's the location got to be a driving force in that. Yeah. And um, that was hearing people say that, we're like, okay. So we created like different. Uh, what is it? We have these large graphics that are on the windows. So to explain kind of what we are to people and we did like a QR code. So a lot of people can drive by and they can just snap code and keep going and be able to pull up our studio information. Um, try to make it as easy as possible for people to know who we are and what we do and take away any obstacles. So for marketing, that was our biggest intention is to make it easy for members to get information, sure. lots of visibility and yeah. tons of social media. Yeah, a lot of that driven from social media, like you said, and, and social media is really the kind of the foundation of marketing in the fitness industry in, in 2022. Has that come with an advertising budget or is this done organically so far? So far, no, it's, we budget, I think it's gonna sound ter terrible, 150 to $200 a month for running or boosting or for any type of flyers or anything like that. We've, we've never done like a mail campaign that didn't seem like it would have a high return. We've had people come in and wanting us to sell ad space. Again, the cost of that versus the return, like their reach was, our reach was greater. Our organic reach was greater than their paid reach with like a traditional ad in a magazine or something like that. And I think what else we did, like we did um, local events where, you know, entrepreneurs can set up their table and tell the community what they do. That was, that was helpful. We got quite a few members that way. And it's true, truly all that we do. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, Sarah, this is still a fairly new business, right? We've been able yeah. to experience pretty good growth albeit mostly organically to this point, do you think at any point it does make sense for the business to put some money into to reaching out into different markets? Um, I think where we would probably put our money next would probably be a second location. Interesting, okay. Um, that's where we, that's where our goal is right now is to open a second location. Yeah. But for marketing, I just don't, our organic reach is, 
just as great as like a paid reach, if not better. So I don't really see a huge difference in our paid reach versus our organic. organic. So at this time, I just continue to do like a $100, $150 boost per month and keep talking about it to everybody that we know, everybody that comes in. Majority of our members are like, oh, I have to bring so-and-so. They'll mm. love it. Yeah. Do you have a Don't timeline have for the second location? Because that's an exciting conversation to have. It is an exciting conversation to have. Um, no, we had a timeline. We were hoping within a year. We had some other hiccups um, with, with branding and different things like that that we've had to kind of pump the brakes on, on opening a second location. And we've had to handle these issues right now. Yeah. With branding yeah. and, oh, this, this would be good. And neighbors having issues with noise and things like that. Yeah, can't do much about that, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, we looked for a, a trafficked location, but unfortunately that brings with it other commercial locations as well. Yeah. So mm -hmm. pros and cons for sure. Let's get back to, to the idea of customer acquisition because I think marketing and, and signing up members is such an important point for new businesses like this. We get leads in, in from a number of different sources, Sarah. What happens from the moment somebody reaches out in a sales process until they sign up? What's that sales process look like? We have a new person comes in. They're greeted. The instructor learns their name. We try to look in their eyes, make a connection, talk to them after. How did you like it? Sometimes either they say they hate it. Usually most people say they love it. So that's always nice. Um, after that, we have the, one of the owners will reach out to them personally and thank them for coming. And we will offer them a second class for free to come and try a different format. And then if they come to the second class for free, like, great. If they're still not um, on board with getting a membership, we've started offering them an exclusive two weeks for $49 that they can come unlimited for two weeks. And that way it'll help them create you know, build a little bit more community, a little bit more consistency. And then usually those two weeks turn into memberships. Not usually, I would say 90% of the time they do, they turn into memberships, but we've really kind of brought that third, fourth point of contact, you know, in the process. And it really seems to, seems to be working. For people. Yeah. And so we're generating leads. We're confident in our sales process how many people i guess in, in a given month are we are we onboarding i would say our average i'm trying to think back but just, i used to keep track of like the average um in the beginning it was 15 uh people a month and then as summer season i would say we probably average eight to ten people um we bring in okay. we also lose three to five for whatever yeah. reasons. So that's why the climb has definitely decreased or I don't sure. want to say plateaued, plateaued a little bit, right? Well, I wouldn't even say that because we're still growing, but it's not as many and as quickly as it was in the beginning, but um, we're still getting new faces in. We do a lot of events. Again, a lot of our, our mission is based on community. So we'll do different, uh, like a dance fitness event, where we offer, you know, cocktails and choreo and all kinds of things like sure. that to bring people together. And we tend to get a lot of new people when we do events like that. 
Yeah. Or like even it sort of speaks to both sides of this in terms of generating new leads, but also retaining current mm-hmm. clients, I would assume. And, and so we're, we're using events where losing about three to five on average in a given month. Dang if we're to, to zoom out here and, and look at this from a sort of hypothetical sales and marketing funnel, then lead gen is up at the top sales process and how many people we convert in the middle and then retention down at the bottom. Where do you think you have the biggest room to improve or I guess the biggest opportunity to, to really tighten things up? Um, I would say bringing more faces in. That's where I put our energy is invisibility and brand recognition. So mm. a lot of people, I don't know what that place is. What is it? What do they do? What is, yeah. and so that's where we put a lot of our effort. And that's where I'd like to tighten things up and just get more visibility Sure. because there's a huge, our city is huge. Yeah. Which helps, right? We have a a pretty good addressable market. Yes. So that is something I would like to improve on. Yeah. And and so looking forward now, you mentioned the idea of a second location being in the cards and in what is pretty short term in Mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things, but big picture this thing with me for a minute, Sarah, I think that's a fun Thing, thought to explore where do you see this brand where do you see this business trending five ten fifteen years from now we would like to be a national brand we would like to be the infrared studio uh, that's known just like cycle bar cycle bar you spin sweat 60 infrared it's infrared training i would like that to be synonymous with i would like that to be a national brand. That's our goal. That's what we're yeah. building out the foundation from what we're building. It's to be able to transfer it into something like that. Yeah. And I think the first few locations we definitely want to keep ownership in and then from there franchise out. That was going to be my next question is there, there's a way to go about that to keep ownership. There's a way to go about that. That probably accelerates it a little bit more, mm-hmm. certainly pros and cons to both, but you're leaning towards the franchise route. Is that right? Um, well, we actually met with a franchise attorney and we met with um, a gentleman that actually builds out what is it, your operation manual mm-hmm. for you for your to give to your franchisees. Right. And we learned, okay, we still have a lot, a lot of work to do. We want to improve some of these processes, these systems that we put into place. Um, so we're like, okay, let's give us a little bit more time. And again, we had a branding issue. So that's delayed us a little bit, but I think our brand will be stronger and I think it'll be more, it'll be worth more money if I have multiple locations. It okay. certainly is. And, and it it'll seems be- simplistic to look at it this way, but locations that make more money are worth more money yeah. in the long run. And so I'm sure that there is quite a process to get to franchising. Typically it's incredibly expensive on the front end and pays off in the longer term like you said with lawyers with documentation with all of this um, but can certainly be a lucrative route if done properly so want to solidify the brand that'll be yeah a lot of a lot of groundwork to be done before we get there but exciting to hear nonetheless uh sarah that's a pretty good place for us to start to wrap everything up i think anybody willing to come on and and have this sort of a discussion and be open and honest about 
what's going well, but what they still have room to improve on, I appreciate tremendously. So I can't thank you enough for your time, Sarah. Before we get out of here, tell people where they can learn a little bit more about this. What's the website? What's the social media? It is sweat60infrared.com and social media, same thing, sweat60infrared, sweat60infrared. You can find everything you need there. Simple and straightforward. Sarah, like I said, I appreciate your time. I'm excited to see what the future of this holds because it sounds like there's a lot of untapped potential yet to come. And so we'll have to reconnect down the line and, and pick your brain once we get to location two, three, 10, 20. That would be fun. And see what the situation looks like then. For now, I wish you nothing but the best and, and we hope to see you again soon. All right, thank you. Absolutely, thank you. And to everyone who tuned in, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you'd like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us, talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is JJ Hernandez. And joining us on the show today is a very special guest on this July 4th day. It is Mark with Better Living Fitness out of Michigan. Mark, what is going on today? Happy Monday. Happy 4th of July. How are you feeling, man? I'm feeling great. I got a 5K run in this morning, a Firecracker 5K in Ann Arbor. It was a, it was a great race, and I'm feeling good. There we go. There we go. I think it's the first time I've ever had somebody come right off 5K right to be on the podcast. So yeah, you got a little superhuman over here, man. I respect it. I appreciate you being here. We got to practice uh, what we preach and we we don't always have time, right? You know, we got to get those workouts in when we can, 4th of July. (laughs) (laughs) Make the best of it. I love it. So look, we're excited to have you on. And before we dive into the nitty gritty of what you have going on with Better Living Fitness, you know, first... Mark, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you described this people? If I came in and I was like, hey, you know, what do you guys do here? How do you run it? What do you call it? You know, give me like a a 30 second elevator pitch about the gym there. Sure. We help people over 50, though my staff will cringe when I say that because we also work with 30 year olds. Uh, But those people who want to improve their strength, make their joints more mobile, get their bodies more in balance. Um, and they can be very active people, or they can be people who have been afraid to walk into a gym. Uh, but the commonality tends to be that they don't want to get hurt in the process. And you can be a little sheepish because they've been hurt before on previous fitness endeavors. And so our goal is to make sure they don't run into that roadblock on their way to the, the, their fitness journey this time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And so we'll start with the bare bones basics, diving into it here. You know, how many members are you guys serving currently? Yeah, in the last few months, we've probably worked with a couple hundred. Okay. Yeah, totally. And so for you guys, um, what's been the best method or best practice of getting people through the door? 
right? I think there's a bunch of versatility with word of mouth, digital marketing, but what's been the, the bread and butter for you guys? You know, word of mouth uh, is is the top notch, you know, and whenever somebody is a referral from one of our clients, we know that they're going to end up working with us. Um, but aside from that, uh, and not to discount that because we, we get a lot of word of mouth, um, our Google marketing, um, our website search engine optimization have been the best tools, um, especially over the last 10 years in building the business. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And so with those marketing efforts, if you had to put an estimate on here, how many potential clients leads do you get through the door on a weekly or monthly basis, whichever one you want to go with? Yeah, sure. We, um, you know, remember we work with people individually. So it's one-on-one training and we have a conversion rate of about 40% of the people who inquire with us. Um, And so we're bringing in maybe a dozen a month. Um, so it's, it's not a huge number, but it's just enough because we also run into the challenge that if 50 people walk in the door, um, we're saying, oh, crap, because we don't have a trainer who is up to speed and ready to take them. So it's this organic growth of the business and the, the staff at the same time. Um, yeah. uh, and, and, and I've, I talked to you in, 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 in our intro about uh, falling on my face a few times. Um, that was, that was one of the times I've fallen on my face when I didn't have staff members who were really adequately trained to do the job. A hundred percent. And I think that's a, a very common a trial for uh, some of the gym owners to go through. I think, right. It's like, you want somebody to take that, the, you know, the, the difficult parts off your hands, or even when you're growing, you, you want to grow at that rate where you're comfortable, but it's, you can't just put anyone there. It's a culture and the community is, is built off of, of you, right. As the founder. So I think it's very, very important, almost just as important as, as who you bring into the door, as far as a client, as well as who you bring through the door as an employee, you know, and, uh, and check out my website. I can see everybody have is, is, is definitely, definitely qualified. <laughs> I can definitely see that. So you've done a great I, job there, Mark. I appreciate that. I'm really proud of my team. I think they're some of the most talented uh, individual trainers um, in the industry, and I'm really lucky to have them. Yeah, yeah, 120%. And, and love the thanks to them. I hope they check this out. And they're they're going to appreciate that shout out for them. Uh, and so, you know, uh, let me ask this, Mark, right? So let's say if leads and traffic and, and, and clients, whatever you may, uh, was unlimited here, you know, hypothetically speaking, of course, what would that max be? What would that top number be for you guys of where you couldn't handle anymore? Well, it's a great question. Um, we're always looking at growth and figuring out um, what pace of growth we want. And JJ, as I said, uh, the, the getting the staff in the door who are at that high caliber, who have degrees in exercise science and, and experience behind them, and um, we then grab those people and then train them for another three months before we say, you're good to go. Um, and so that's a process. What I'd like to do is expand on our training of our new staff and get that 
ramped up into a larger process versus it being one-on-one -on -one with our new staff members. If we were training, you know, one-on-five, it would ramp up the growth a lot faster. Um, so I don't think it's, the limit is really on the customer end. The limit is how quickly we can get new teammates who are at the caliber that my clients expect. Yeah, 120%. And I, I agree with that completely. I, I think it, it's really that battle of the opposite side. And that's what, again, a, a misconception, which you, can, you have to kind of experience. You know, you might think that, because yeah, everybody wants more clients. I think everybody does. But it's realistically how much of a workload can you handle with, because again, as a one-man team, I mean, you're definitely limited to a certain amount, right? Just you're capped at, at just how many hours you can put in. But then realistically, taking into consider, consideration the experience level, how confident they are, you know, because then again, that will affect your retention if, if they're not having a good experience and then having to move people around, bounce clients around, it's definitely not for a good experience. So I think that that's something to highlight where you can't undermine the onboarding process of not just your clients, but again, your employees and the retention of your employees is just as important as the retention of your clients. That's it. You know, and I think that's very, very undermined. So, so thank you for that, Mark. Thank you for that eye opener. I know the viewers yeah. are going to appreciate that one. And, and I agree with that completely. Um, and I imagine a lot of your gym owners who are listening have been in that position where they've been at their 100% in terms of capacity, in terms of class um, participants or one-on-one -on -one training um, clients that they've had. Um, and, and I was at that point as well um, early in my career, and I made the mistake of hiring a bunch of contract trainers to work for me and, and giving them training, but not training to the nuance of, of how I was doing things. Um, and it just was unfair to them. I didn't equip them with the skill set to succeed. And from that, I ended up having to, uh, to fire everybody. And I spent about three years writing a book, a book that um, taught every exercise I was, I was teaching, where I stood, how I corrected. Um, and we used that as our base for a training manual for our new staff. Um, that book eventually turned into a um, proprietary app um, that we now have on you know, the iOS and the, the Google platforms. Um, so it's not only a tool for helping the new trainers to succeed, but it's a way to share workouts with, with our clients um, so that they can also know, you know, every nuance of what we're looking for in an exercise. That's awesome. That's awesome. What's the book called? If you don't mind me asking. Oh, we did Strong Fit Flexible, A Personal Trainer's Guide to a Better Body was the, the public version of that book. Our internal training book didn't, uh, didn't have quite so flashy of a name. And Better Living Workouts is the, uh, the app, the smartphone app. There we go. Check them out. Check out. Check it out. <laughs> go, to your, go to your store and download it today. <laughs> there we go. Way to throw it in there. And so, you know, on the topic of clients here, how do you guys manage tracking, right? Because I think this is one of the most important things. Right? As a fitness professional, we track our body fat, we track our macros, we track how much weight is on the bar. But sometimes when it comes to metrics like this, a lot of us undermine that. But what's been the best process or best practice for you guys to track, you know, churn rate, lifetime value, how long they've been with you, cancellations? How do you guys track that process? Not well. Um, so this is something where we could really be improving. Um, and I think we've gotten a little lazy. Um, 
we still have our first client from 21 years ago. Um, she's still training with us every week. And so I was like, well, you know, retention's wow. really good. <laughs> 21 years. <laughs> and that's not uncommon that people have been with us for a, a, a really good chunk of time. Um, and so I, my goal has been to deliver in every session with every client. Um, and we hold ourselves to a really high standard where, you know, you can't have a, a, a bad day, you know, and, and any personal trainer knows that, you know, you, if you injure a client, you deserve to be fired. Um, it's, it's just like a, a super high standard we have to hold ourselves to. Um, so, Every time we meet with somebody, we have to think, how do I deliver $10 more value than what we're charging them? And um, if we do that, you know, we can expect retention to be pretty good, um, lifetime value to be really good, and, and so forth. Um, uh, but to your point, I think that that's a, uh, something I really would like to quantify in numbers, and um, we could be doing better there. Yeah, I appreciate the honesty and transparency there. I mean, for you to ask me that, but I thank you for that. Thank you for that. And I think, but anyway, it's eye opener. I think again, because regardless, you're still successful here, right? And you have a successful business. But the fact is that we can always improve in certain places, right? Which kind of leads me to my next question. Um, and it's a little bit of a longer-winded question, Mark. So if you need to repeat anything, just let me know. Uh, but what we've been discussing this entire time have been the pillars of business, right? And in the fitness and gym industry, there's five, but we use three more predominantly than any. And that's going to be your lead generation, which is your marketing, right? Getting people through the door. Your client acquisition, which is your sales, just acquiring them from being a lead, from being interested in them being a paying client. And then retention and ascension, which is keeping your clients longer, but getting them to buy more from you in that process. So of those three pillars, Mark, where do you feel like you can improve the most? That's really an interesting question. Um, I, as I mentioned, we have about a 40% um, success rate at converting a lead into a client. Um, I think that could be higher. Um, and I am looking at the nuanced specifics of that. How long does it take um, minutes or hours for us to return a call on a new lead coming in. You might think, oh gosh, I can do that this week. Well, no, I mean, they're probably looking at three other competitors right now. You know, you, you should be the very first person that calls them back. Um, how quickly can we get that free fitness consultation set up? Um, and how do we do a better job of listening to what their needs are and conveying that we understand them well enough that um, they trust us to, to give us a chance to, to help them with those needs? Um, I think that would be the number one. You know, it actually distresses me that we might have a month that we get 12 leads and we only convert five clients. Um, you know, I'm thinking, what happened to the other ones? Um, you know, why didn't they hire us? Um, because I really do think, you know, having top-notch staff uh, working, that there's, there's no reason that they don't give us at least one chance to, to help them. Yeah, yeah. That nurture is definitely important. I think it, we always say speed is king, right? That's a core tenant we have here at the podcast as well. It's just speed is king. And it, it, the faster you can get to them, I mean, it, it matters, right? I mean, just even, you need to be reminded more than we need to be taught for stuff, right? So we obviously all know the gym and all that stuff is great. But the fact that you can have somebody to remind you before they even start as a client, just, hey, 
don't forget about your console. You're just, hey, let me introduce myself and just be reminded that, hey, let's get them through the door. I think that's one of the biggest things, right? And I think that's such an eye opener for everybody too, because people might think that that's such a like minuscule factor, but it's actually that small factor that holds a lot of weight, you know? So great point there, Mark, great point. And last two questions for you here, my two favorite questions in itself. Um, what's the bigger picture for you? Long-term, what do you want to accomplish, Mark? Um, we want to eliminate lower back pain. It's, I mean, it sounds so very specific. And let me just give a little bit of background why I said that. Um, we use um, a set of techniques that help people to put their bodies into balance before they start a strength training program. So back to the beginning when I said they don't want to get hurt and we don't want to hurt them in the process, going into a good warm up and then going straight into a squat deadlift routine. You know, if your pelvis is slightly rotated, if your lumbar spine is just a little out of alignment, you know, your, your injury risk is higher. So we actually use a 10 to 20 minute technique to help people get their body completely balanced and level and all muscles firing prior to starting their strength routine. Um, and that's why it takes us, you know, several months to train a new staff member to do this job. Um, so I, I believe we've got eight of the 10 blocks in place to really solve a lot of lower back problems. Um, and some of those lower back problems before they happen. Um, and, and we have a fantastic results with people in person and virtual who are doing really well with our techniques. And, and it's just so cool. You know, there's opportunity and like every setback. And I, I've listened to your show and I know a lot of us, a lot of us went through, you know, a really tough time with COVID and the COVID shutdowns. Um, and our work is so detail oriented that switching it over to a virtual platform um, wasn't clean. Um, so we had to figure out and figure out very quickly how to do that. Um, but the benefit out of that, because there's a win in every, every challenge is, you know, now we have clients in other States, um, who are like, I don't have this, you know, where I am. And I would say to any gym owner, if you've got a, everyone has a special offering, if you've got a special offering that can be converted to virtual and they can't find that in their community, you've got a market there, you know, the, the growth potential is, is really unlimited. We're working with uh, Michigan Small Business Association with grant funding now to expand our business into Canada and the UK, um, two English speaking markets. And, you know, we've done our research to see just how much lower back injuries those those two communities have or those two, two countries have. Um, and, and we think that there's real potential for, you know, selling our program there. And that. Michigan-based program is replicated in a lot of states. So if any, any gym owner that's doing virtual work um, and can prove that, you know, they can hire more locally, but get customers from around the country, um, I think has a good opportunity to, to grab some grant funding from their small business association in their state. I love that. I love that. That's awesome. I mean, holy cow. 
Like, you're just on the next level here, Mark. I mean, <laughs> pick the words out of my mouth. I mean, unfortunately, that's not a good place to wrap things up in this episode because you have one more question, but that would have been a mic drop of a response there. <laughs> but let's, uh, let's follow up with this last question, see how good this one can be. And I'm actually curious to see your answer because, I mean, you've got a lot of skin in the game. And just, I, I want to see, I mean, I, you've had such in-depth answers here. I just want to know. I'm curious to see this answer. So, you know, um, Mark, if you could go back in time to when you first started the gym and sit yourself down and tell yourself that one piece of advice that you think you really needed to hear when you first started, what would that advice be for you? Wow. That is a big one, JJ. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, you know, I've, I've, I've revealed a few fall on my face moments here. Um, I had a degree in business uh, when I first started, and um, there was this concept called time value of money, um, you know, where money in your hand today is worth more than money in your hand a month from now. And so I recognized that. And as I was hiring my first employees, I paid them absolute highest amount I could. I said, you know what, this is what your work, your, your work is worth. This is, you know, all the money that you bring in in a session, all of our expenses, the little bit of profit we're going to take, this is how much I can pay you. And, and I paid them all that rate. And, um, you know, I had people who were very dedicated to me um, and um, stuck around with me for years, um, but said at the end in a very disillusioned way, you didn't give me a single raise. I did all this good work for you and you never gave me a raise. And I thought, you know what? You are completely right. That is human nature that you would think you're going to be rewarded for your good work. And I didn't give myself any margin to make that happen. Um, you know, I, I think going back to your question, it's sometimes things are really not obvious and you're going to get gobsmacked, you know, and you're going to fall down and people are going to get mad at you and you just have to step back, take some of the emotion out of it after you can get over the hurt and say, you know what, let me figure out how I can do this better and not make that same mistake over again. Um, because, you know, I wouldn't have been able to tell myself all of the mistakes I was going to make uh, in, in a small uh, uh, meet and greet to my younger self. Um, but I think ultimately knowing that those mistakes were going to come, even though I was good intentioned and um, figure out how to retool and not make the same mistake again. And you're always going to get better and grow. I love that. I love that. That's awesome, Mark. I mean, that is a mic drop of an answer. I mean, I'm telling you, if I could drop this mic right here, I, mean, I would drop it. There we go. But it's a good place to wrap things up in this episode. Before we sign out, Mark, you know, please shout out your website, your Instagram, your Facebook, anything you have. Where can people find out more about you and the gym? Yeah, we're at betterlivingfitness.com. Our uh, Instagram is betterlivingfitness, and our Facebook is betterlivingannarbor. Annabur, Michigan, but growing to uh, the whole world soon, the all English speaking countries. There we go. There we go. Look, Mark, we absolutely appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast and look forward to seeing what you can accomplish down the road. Just stick around for one second if you can, so I'll let you know how you're going to get the podcast. And to everyone who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit the like and subscribe button. And if you want to come in and join us, talk about your fitness business, click the link in the description. Fill it out and our team will be in touch with you very, very soon. 
And as always, till next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk fitness business with gym owners who are in the trenches, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, owner of Exertion Training in Westerville, Ohio, Mike Price. Thanks for being on with us today. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're excited to have you on here, sir. So let's jump into it. Give us the scoop. What's exertion training all about? We are, like you said, in Westerville, Ohio, um, just outside of downtown Columbus. So we're right there in that area. Um, And we really just dial in on one-on-one personal training. So we're by appointment only. Um, And we just focus on the individual, you know, their their path, their process, and putting together their programs right from there. All right. Okay. So big focus on real individualized execution, program assessment, things like that. We'll get into that a little bit, but we got to give the listeners a frame of reference. You've been in the game for 20 years. So give us the highlight reel here. What, what got you into it? What's kept you into it? What have been some of the big milestones for you along the way? Yeah, um, actually, you know, getting into it through high school and all that, you know, obviously playing sports, but I was never into working out. That was one thing I can look back at um, up until my sophomore year in college. And that's when I started getting that bug of working out, things like that. But my path originally was going into a police academy or, you know, being a police officer. So I went into police academy, those things like that. Um, And it just wasn't the way I wanted to help people. You know, it was a little bit more hands-off. There's only so much you can control. But during that process, I was still personal training part-time. So I would personal train in the mornings and then leave and check into my shift, uh, second shift and go right into, you know, patrolling. Um, and there was just that, that, that time where I just didn't have control of my schedule, you know. And so and it was going to be years before I would get to that point but I was really enjoying the training and I kind of sat back and told myself, you know, if I can just dial in on this and learn the game, you know, and go all out all in on this, I think I can make a great living out of this. And um, that's when I kind of made that decision to just go all in. I stopped all the side jobs and part-time jobs and just kind of built that business up from there. Okay. So when you started out, were you like, were you using somebody else's gym space? Were you always independent? Like what was, I know now you, you have your own facility, 
you worked for yourself, but what were the stages for you? Were you in the Globo gym kind of trying to sell the customers off the floor or did you yeah. just start out renting space? What was the progression? Yeah, so my first uh, training job was in my hometown in Fremont, Ohio. I did work at a local gym there. Um, started building up and, you know, getting it going there a little bit. And then I started training at the, the town that I went to college at and partnered up with a chiropractor there. And we opened up a facility and we were growing and, and knocking out some things there with the colleges and the local high schools and really started getting that bug and that drive then at that point. <clears throat> From that point, that's when I made that decision like, okay, if I'm really good at this, I need to go to a bigger market. You know, I, I want to really see it and test my potential at that point. And so moved to Columbus, Ohio at that point, but I was starting all over. And so I put out some job applications and, you know, was looking to get into to some gyms. And at that point, the biggest uh, player in town in Columbus at that time was uh, Lifestyle Family Fitness, which was out of uh, Florida. Okay. And um, I got hired in there but they wanted me to come on as a sales manager at that time, you know? And so that was a curveball. You know, I went through about three or four different uh, interviews, some really tough interviews, something different. Um, and did that came on as a sales manager there and did not do personal training for about two years, maybe. Oh, wow. And then That's I had my first born. Yeah. So I had my first born at that time. And I knew when I came back, after having our firstborn, I was like, uh, I need this flexibility. I need to go back to personal training. You know, so at that time, the personal training manager was like, hey, when you come back, we got a spot for you. It was still with Lifestyle Family Fitness. And the opportunity, when I came back, it shot me through the roof. You know, I came back as a trainer, and but I had that sales now that mm -hmm. you don't get when you get a certification. And so that's when I realized this was all a plan. This was, you know, me becoming a sales manager at that time for the company. It taught me things about projection and, and you know, how to meet your midday and, and how to calculate, you know, your clientele of, okay, this is what you need. You know, this is what you can expect at the beginning of the month. And then your mid month, you have to crunch these numbers. How many more clients do you need to hit this goal at the end of the month? which is things that you don't know as a trainer. So that sales kind of helped me become more business affluent and learning how to actually run a business and not just be a trainer. Yeah, that's one of those, uh, it's a conversation that comes up a lot on here when we have gym owners who have a bunch of trainers and I hear it all the time. They say, man, I wish, I wish my trainers could sell. And I always tell people it's a double-edged sword because if you have a trainer who can sell more than likely they're going to end up out the door. Now it's yeah. good. You want to provide opportunities and see people grow, but on the same token, they're like, I don't want to lose, you know, this is my best trainer and this ass. So it's like, you sort of have to pick your poison there. You can have a great trainer who has no interest in selling. And if you feed them and help them, you know, earn their living, they'll probably stay with you for a long time, but you take a great trainer, you give them some sales skills and, what do you know? You got exertion training starting, yeah. up, you know, at a certain point and that I'm sure you've probably known other trainers and seen other people go the same way. It's like trainer with skill becomes a gym owner or at least a subcontractor or something like that. And it's, yes, 
it's that double-edged sword. So you've been independent in your own facility for 13 years now? Yes, correct. So shortly got out of Lifestyle after they mm -hmm. sold over and, you know, kind of closed up shop. But I got out of there just in time and uh, we started our own thing. Okay, so you take the leap, you start off now. Have you been in the same spot for 13 years? Did you start small? Did you grow into it? What's the, the actual location been like? So we did grow into it. Um, the leap was kind of, yeah, I was kind of ready. I used that uh, corporate setting to get my name out as I moved into Columbus and then I was new to the area, built up clientele from that point. And uh, the plan was to always go on my own, but I wanted to get my name kind of out and the buzz going. So I was always putting money away into the side, but um, it was my wife and father-in-law that said, hey, now's the time you need to go ahead and, and get out of here and start your move now. You know, and so we did start small. I started subleasing um, at, a, at another local gym there and then um, outgrew. And that's when I realized I was a little selfish. You know, I would uh, bring in some awesome tools to the gym and I would see other trainers using my tools or, you know, <laughs> using some of these workouts that I've done. And, and, you know, and so I was like, man, OK, and, and it would it would get me a little bit. So I was like, you know what? I need to get out, get get to doing my own thing. And um we took that leap and we've been in the same plaza, you know, this whole time. Our first three years, we were in a smaller unit. I only went with like a 1,200, 1,100 square foot. Mm -hmm. And then um, then we moved to the other end of the plaza and we just moved into like a 23 and been there the whole time. It's a good amount of space for a personal training studio that's almost always just you and one other client. Yes. 90% of the time, right? Yep. Do you have... Um, have you developed a preference over the years, like plate loaded equipment, selectorized, free weights? Do you have a specific nature style that you target with the way the gym is outfitted? Yes, I do have it kind of set up in that. Um, there's nothing that I really prefer over any other, you know, sector at all. Um, but I do have it set, you know, a lot of just functional, you know, exercises, equipment. Um, we do have some strength. Um, I do like body weight with mm -hmm. the combination of the machines. Um, but each workout, the client will come in, we'll do a three minute warm up. I have a section, you know, on the left when you walk into the studio, along the walls, all cardio. Then we have the turf. Then we have the strength in the middle. And then we have the free weights on the right side running there. You know, so it is set up when you walk into it, it is set up, you know, specifically. You have your, your different sections. Okay. Yeah. So one of the things we touched on off the air that I think um, some people might think is a given, but isn't after doing <laughs> having a lot of these conversations on and off the air, the way you execute your training is you're not training 10 clients a day and having them all do a variation of the same workout. When people come to you, it's true, customized, individualized workouts. So Talk us through your process a little bit from, you know, new client comes in, you have some sort of assessment and then programming and progression. So what does that look like to the level that you individualize it? So how I do it is, uh, you know, a client will reach out, whether it be social media, text message, a lot of our clientele comes from referrals. Um, <clears throat> and from that point, it's not like, hey, we're jumping right into the workout. It's uh, I do a lot of communication from that initial, you know, whether it's a text message or email or social media contact or DM or whatever it may be. I do respond to that. 
we usually respond within a couple hours. I'm pretty much heavy on that. Um, it's surprising how surprised the actual uh, potential client is when you respond within a certain amount of time as well, which that's a, a, a area that a lot of people are, are missing the ball on. Um, <clears throat> and so that response is, hey, thanks for reaching out. Would love to know, you know, more of how we can be of service. What exactly are you looking for? And then it's a, sometimes it'll lead to a call after that so we can get that personal touch. I'll plan a half hour, 40 minutes. We'll talk a little bit. And then from there, I invite them into the studio. Um, like I said, a lot of it is just so you're not getting a lot of uh, energy vampires and you're just getting drained and drain yourself out. Make sure this, this feel, even from conversation, is the right you know, clientele that you like to work with. And then we'll invite them into the studio uh, for the assessment. I always do an assessment first. So getting that skeletal muscle, their BMI, their weight. A lot of people haven't had those numbers done in years or they haven't been consistent with it. So even that is another thing um, as well. And then it's like you're prescribing from there. So we tell the, the potential client, look, if you want these goals that you've told me, you know, in this amount of time or whatever it may be, sometimes we got to get real. And I'm like, you know what, that's impossible, but this is possible. You know, if you want to change these things and do these things and I can get you in the studio this many days a week. Um, and then it's a, a give and take. Okay, I can get you in here this many days a week, but I need you to do these things on your own. If you can do these things on your own, this is how many days that you will need in here and we can make this happen in this time frame. And so from there, we're kind of building it. Um, I'll have them do a couple of tester exercises on that in-studio assessment, just some overhead squat profiles. We'll do a little heart rate test and stuff like that on the treadmill and just get in a little read of their heart rate and you know the rest and recovery and those things like that. Um, and then we'll go back to the office and kind of sit down and that's when I kind of prescribe like, okay, this is what's needed to hit these numbers in the four to six weeks. So I always set them up with a nice short-term goal just to start building up some momentum and things like that. Um, and then we look at the schedule and we get them scheduled for the first workout after that. All right. So I took about three pages of notes in that one, that one question. So a couple of topics I want to hit on here. And this is why I like to keep these kind of freestyle to a degree is because everything is uh, everything can branch off. So one of the things you, you hit right from the beginning is early point of communication, right? Or what, what we would call like lead nurture. Right? Yes. A lot of people, you know, the, the buzzword in the industry is always leads. I need more leads. I need more people. And then you, you drill down and it's like, well, like you said, there are a lot of people and I say, well, what do you do when you get a lead? And they're like, you know, I usually try to get back to them within 24 hours or 48 or, you know, when I get to it and I'm like, somebody is out there looking, like they're probably going to go yeah. see the first person that gets back to them. You're probably not the only one they reached out to. That's just not the way that most people do it. So you said you're, you're hot on trying to get to people within an hour or two, right? That's like, your mental framework is this how quickly we need to get back to these people, correct? Yeah, correct. And it surprises people. And it's like, boom, right off the bat, you're showing them like, all right, I'm, I'm here. This is the level that you're going to expect. Right. This is who we are. This is what a personal training gym is about versus going to your 24 seven access gym or whatever. Now um, I know your wife is involved to some degree with some of the back end stuff in the business. Does she handle some of the inquiries? Are you strictly doing that? Or do you have it worked out where you're like, hey, whichever one of us can get to someone first, let's just show them some love right away. 
Yes, we both kind of uh, double team that for sure. Um, she will get a lot of leads too that will reach out to her and they mm -hmm. will ask, you know, well, do you do training as well? Or, you know, what part? I just see your videos because I actually, I mean, we, we both work out super early in the morning. We're up mm -hmm. at 4 a.m. We're in the studio. I always work out before I train a client. So before my first appointment, I work out just to get my energy up. Um, <clears throat> and so it's a lot of videos on our social media of her and, you know, new exercises or workouts that I put together and I'm recording her and posting those in our stories, things like that. So she'll get some, you know, uh, messages about training and then she'll kind of refer, well, hey, I'm the nutrition side. I do this, this, this. Mike does all the, the program design and workouts. So we'll hit it that way. Now, there are some times, too, where we'll, you know, like holidays or she'll have, you know, a few days off. We'll double team just to keep it fresh in the studio, and give the clients something different. Got it. Got it. Okay. So the next thing that you brought up, and this is definitely something that I want to make clear for, for our new trainers or for people who are thinking about getting into it, you're at a point where you've got enough clients, not to where you're turning people away just because you can't take them, but you've put the work in, like we said, you're 20 years deep in the business, 13 here, um, where you can be selective. To, to the benefit of you, the business, and the client. And what that sounds like to me is somebody reaches out, you have a vetting process. You talk to them about their goals, what they want to do, what they're looking for. And if you don't think that you're the best trainer for them or the best program, you might refer them out to someone yes. else or you know whatever the case may be. But you're not just like, hey, I'm trying to sign up everybody who's got a pulse and a credit card. Like You put your dues in so you can serve the people who you enjoy and who can get the best results for you. Is that fair to say? Yes, correct. So as you've, as you've kind of developed this ideal client over the, the years, and I think a lot of people want to hone it into specific age or gender or something like that. And I, I don't think it always has to be that. Sometimes it's just a feeling or an attitude. If you had to describe right now, like your ideal client avatar or, you know, the people who you work the best with in your situation, like who fits in best with exertion? Yeah. And, and just like you said, sometimes it's the attitude or my two things I'm looking for is just the energy and commitment. I mean, it's like, do you, do you have a good positive energy and are you committed? Are you committed or interested? You know what I mean? A lot of people are interested and that's where they're just jumping into whatever pops up, whatever new fad, boom, boom. Um, and that can be on both sides with clients or trainers. That's why I've worked mm -hmm. you know, by myself for a long time. Um, <clears throat> but th those are my two biggest things is just great energy and commitment. I have clients that range from probably my youngest one right now, maybe 28, 29. And my oldest one is at like 68. And pretty good range. And yeah, you know, and so some of my 50s, 60s, your old clients look better and have better energy than you know. So yeah, and it's like, and that's what I'm looking for. You know, I have some high energy older clients that look amazing, which is motivation for myself. You know, it's like this is what I want. You know, this is what I see, um, and I'm learning a lot. You know, at the same time, what can I? I'm looking for that as well. We're spending a lot of time together, so and it's one on one. So it's like, okay, who's going to fill my cup as well? Um, and so, like you're saying, you know, a lot of uh, trainers want to get in. I have a very different schedule 
than what is put out there, you know, for, for personal trainers. You know, I don't do a lot of split shifts. You know, mm -hmm. I only have two days where I'm in in the morning and I come home, I take that nap and then I'm back in in the afternoon. But I'm always done at seven. I stop. So that 6.30 to seven o'clock appointment, I'm done. You know, um, and that's a that's a hard part that you kind of got to grow into is just being able to say no. You know, at the beginning, you can't at the beginning as you're building your business, you're taking on everyone. You're taking on sports. You're taking on kids. You're taking on grandmas. You're taking on, you know, competitors and bodybuilders and bigger people and all those things. And those things can be draining because you're not really dialing in on those things, you know, um, and mastering a certain area or two, you know, so um, <clears throat> with that schedule, I make sure that I've developed a strong no and being comfortable with outsourcing, you know, that client to someone else that can fit better. Awesome, man. Yeah, you got that thing dialed in for sure. And I, <laughs> these, these are where I wish that we had more time on the podcast, because every time you give me an answer, I'm just writing down more things. So something that popped into my head that I think is interesting, we don't get to discuss a lot. When you do your intake process, do you talk to people about how many other things that they've tried, um, how many different programs, how many different attempts they have? And if so, what are you usually looking to get out of that conversation? Yeah, so usually I'll start with, have you worked? When's the last time you did an assessment? A lot of them will say either never or it's been years. Um, and, and that little thing, you know, even when they're starting the program and they keep going and then you're telling them, hey, every two weeks we're reassessing. A lot of trainers are missing opportunities. They're not reassessing, whether it's they're not hitting the numbers, you know, they're not producing for the client what they told them. And so they're trying to avoid that. Or it's like, hey, this is a great opportunity to show the client, hey, this is working, you know. So that initial assessment is huge. Um, I always ask, when's the last time, you know, you've done this and have you worked with the trainer? Um, and those are things to where if they have, okay, now you got to come in a different angle, show them something different you know, um, provide something different. And if they haven't, it's like, okay, let's make this an experience, you know? So you really got to realize like these people are taking their time as well as you are too, but taking their hardworking money and investing it into you and your business and, and your, your speech or whatever you're giving them. Um, they, they're giving you this, you know? So, um, we go from there, and then what style of workout did you do with that trainer if they have, okay? And if they haven't been working with the trainer, what have you, when's the last time you've been in a routine yourself? So those kind of things are there because if they haven't been active, then it's like, okay, we got to start baseline. I don't know what you've seen on social media or been watching, but those things we're not going to do right now, but don't mark them off. You know, there's modifications to these moves that you'd be surprised when you see yourself doing them. And eventually, you know, six months down the line, you're doing this exercise that you never thought you could do. And so there's a lot of those things that I would kind of hit from there. But at the beginning, it's really about, after I hit those questions, I dig deep into their why. And that's where I get that commitment. You know, if it's just for, I need to lose this much pounds by the, they're not going to be in it alone because they're not going to be patient enough to let that process happen. You know, so we don't, you know, recommend a lot of supplementation. I don't do any of that. It's literally, we got to change some habits. So it's a longer, more personal process for this individual that's going to take some habit changing, which isn't going to happen overnight. 
Yeah, so you're getting you're getting a ton of information from that initial consult. And I think the what have you done, what kind of training, you know, what have you done leading up to this can open up so much more conversation. And it's it's super easy for us to just gloss over it. Hey, have you ever trained before? Yeah, it's been a couple of years. Okay, cool. Let's talk about it. And it's just like there's gold in there. And if I think most of us get in this business first and foremost to help people and it's a huge opportunity to find the people you can help the most, the people who you can make the biggest impact on. And, and it really like from a business point helps you hone in on, all right, I've connected with this person. I know that I can help them. They're here because they have a problem they want to solve. Now I can show them like, Hey, this is what it's going to work like work look like to work with me. This is what's going to cost and all that stuff. It doesn't feel as salesy when you know like. This person has done all these things. I can see here and observe why they haven't worked. I know what they need. I'm going to really help them. So uh, getting over the hump of sales for a lot of people, that connection helps so much. And and I'm sure that's, you know, probably one, at least a, a significant factor for you in being able to keep this as a career for 20 years. Yeah, for sure. And it's allowing them to be part of that process, that decision making, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So a lot of it is just sitting back and letting them talk. You know, sometimes it can get off, you know, the the track a little bit and you got to reel them back in. But and and a lot of times it's too, you got to get uncomfortable with them letting loose a little bit. There's some Mm -hmm. there's some tears that may come out and that's when you hit a deep why, you know, Mm -hmm. so us as trainers got to be comfortable getting to that point. And then they're going to be a little bit more comfortable. Like, okay, this is something I need if it made me get to this point. Um, and, and that's what it is. It's just that that we hit it from a lifestyle change aspect. And I think that eliminates a, a problem we have, or I hear a lot, is trainers, salespeople, owners will say, people sit down and all they want to know is how much it costs and why I'm, you know, not X, Y, Z. And, and they, ask all, they ask me all these things and I'm like, they're the client or potential client. They don't know what they're supposed to ask. So they yes. just, they ask the things that come to mind. It's our job as the professional to ask them the questions to show them that we can help, right? right. You know, people in a lot of instances, if they don't, if they don't know enough, they don't know what they don't know. They're just going to go with the buzzwords. Hey, do you guys yeah. do functional training? Hey, how much, like what certs do you have? It's not that it really matters that much. It's, they want to have the conversation and know how you can help. And that's the only language they speak. So it, it sounds like you're really in tune with meeting people where they are and getting them into the mode of like, all right, this is how I can understand you better than whatever else you didn't try. I can see where it didn't work. Cool. That that's, you have that under your belt, but you're here. Let's, let's go forward with it. So yeah. I love that you paid that much attention to that. And I think it's something that gets missed so easily um, and like you said, you can have these conversations where people will digress and they're talking about their kid and their dog and their car. And, and so we have to bring it back so that we right. make sure that if we're going to take some of these hard earned money, we're doing the job that they signed up for. And you can really have those ideal clients sooner and for longer. So yeah, kudos to you for, for really paying attention to that because it's, it's so easy to get lost. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate it. All right, man. Couple, couple more questions on the on the logistics of how you do things. One, it sounded like uh, I think you mentioned that you do primarily thirty minute sessions. Is that right? 
but I do all, yeah, all my one-on-ones are 30 minutes. All right. There's still a lot of people that are just like an hour, an hour, an hour. And <laughs> I'm not going to take sides on this, but I do feel like there's a lot of room for these 30 minute sessions. So to you, what's your belief? Why do you stick with the 30 minute sessions? It just shows a more effective way of getting things done. Now, I think that there's a couple things to that. Um, when I was doing corporate, I didn't do 30 minutes. I didn't know mm -hmm. hardly anything about it, but my top two trainers, once I became the PT manager and worked my way up, um, my top two trainers were doing half hour sessions. I'm like, what the heck? You know? So I had them train me on my lunch break. And I'm like, this is amazing. Um, now I will say, it just depends on your style of workout. It depends on your clientele. Okay, on top of that, um, <clears throat> the half hours I like, it works for me business-wise, it makes sense. But the kind of clientele that I have that are busy, you know, they're either single moms, super busy, or they're moms. They're just moms in general, super, super busy. Um, and I got a lot of business owners. Okay, so when you show them that you don't need this hour, you don't need 40... And we're in a we're in a facility where I don't have other trainers. I'm not waiting for equipment. I don't have TVs all over. You know, we got two TVs in the whole studio. Um, <clears throat> we don't have to wait for anything. Your phone is in your cubby. You know, so it's like we're not we're not you know killing time looking at our phone or answering the phone or anything like that. We have short conversations. It's a 30 second rest, 45 second rest in between each set. We're jumping on to the next thing. So a lot of it is I had to kind of shift the way I do things and be willing to lose some clients for a period of time to get to that, that point. Um, but that also allows me to have that schedule that I have and the lifestyle that we initially as trainers got into the business for. So I want that time freedom and that flexibility to, to, do other things and grow. Do you run your sessions where um, the client can come in if they're an established client and do a little warm up independently, do a little cool down independently so that your 30 minutes is super focused on the things that are technical? Is that how another way that you manage those? So sometimes, most of the clients, um, some of them will sit in their cars and just wait. We do have, a, you know, in the, in the office as well, the TV, the sitting area. Some of them will come in and just sit in there um they know like once we're done every client knows i put together the workouts for us to hit these goals within these time frames mm -hmm. so some of the workouts may be 25 minutes some of them may be 35 minutes we stop you may have need longer rest that exercise may have teacher butt more than what i thought it would so we're gonna take a little bit longer rest um <clears throat> it's whatever i have planned for that workout when we're done with it and that's when we're done Got okay. It. And so sometimes the last five minutes or so, the next client will come in. They know the routine. They're either going to stretch on their own in the corner or they'll jump on a piece of cardio equipment and warm up. I love that. Any, anything that's more open-minded than, listen, I think you can, you can train people for an hour. You can train people for two hours. I'm sure you've known competitors, their gym sessions are four hours. Yes, yes, yeah. But majority of gen pop, I think, doesn't need an hour just because that's the way everybody thinks it needs to be done. Right. It, especially if it's one-on-one, -on -one, if they're really getting training and you're, you structure things in a way that's efficient. I think that's a sign of a mature trainer, but also you're one-on-one. -on -one. There's only one of you, right? One of the questions I always ask personal trainers is, 
you know, what do you do when there's no more time in the day, right? How do you, how do you help as many people as you want? How do you scale? And there are a lot of people. I'm like, have you ever thought of going to shorter sessions? Like 45 minutes away. Yeah. Oh, like it's like, well, yeah. what do you do? Like there at a certain point, and I, you know, I know people that train 12, 13, one hour sessions a day. And I'm like, man, as I'm glad that you love it, but like, can we, can we be open-minded? Yeah. Can we look at some other, other things there? So yeah. um, I love that you figure that out. And like you said, you, you seem to really pay attention to your work-life balance. Like I work until this time, this is what I do. This is how I keep my, my head right. This is my, you know, my family time, whatever the case may be. And having shorter sessions if they're efficient and you can execute them is great. I think you, um, people come to us mainly for two things, results and a feeling, right? That's yeah. what they come to trainings for, right? It's the feet. Some, for some people, it's all it takes is feeling like they did something other than sitting on the couch. And then the longer they get into it, then they see results. Some people, but if you told them, Hey, you can come in, give me a high five and go back out to your car and you'd have the energy in the body and everything you wanted. They'd be like, yeah, cool, man. I'll see you for that <laughs> right. high five. Like, right. they, don't, they don't care. Like the value is in getting what they come for. And the unspoken value that a lot of people don't see these days is you talk about moms, busy moms, working moms, um, busy people in general, like we can give them time back. That's so it. everything else is equal and you can be to my gym, work out at home in an hour versus yeah. an hour and a half. Yeah. You talk to everybody. Hey, how's it going? First thing almost everybody says these days, oh man, busy. Everybody's yeah. Yeah. Even people who aren't busy think they're busy, busy right? right. <laughs> like, all right, cool. You're busy. Can I give you a half hour of your day back? Yes. Right. And some people will even pay more than that. And I think right. um, that ties in. Like you have some people who you coach strictly remote, right? They don't even come into the gym. And again, one of the things people pay for is convenience, time, flexibility. So um, I want to segue into that. It's kind of our, our last section here. I, I could talk to you for hours. You got a lot going on, but um, yeah. when did you start your foray into the online world? What do you see as pros and, and any cons to that? And where do you see it going for you? We probably, uh, we started the app maybe four, no, I guess the pandemic was three years. So maybe six years ago, we started the app. We didn't hit it heavy, obviously, until the pandemic. Um, and there's, and there's, you know, a couple, many reasons, but the biggest ones was we wanted to add more value to our current in-studio clients. So we doubled down on the app to give them more accountability and contact while they're not in studio. On top of adding those tools in, it also added more tools for our online clients. And so that's when we were able to just you know, connect to Apple Watch and checking in your meals and doing all these things like that. And, and again, that's what's a little different, you know, than your big box gyms. It's, you know, once you check in, check out, you're done. I don't, you don't talk to that person again until they come back into the gym. And so that was our big thing was just putting a lot more on the value and accountability, you know, letting them know that we're watching them, even though they're not in the studio. And the best way to do that was through app or sometimes we'll even text message. You know, so <clears throat> we hit it a little bit harder once the uh, pandemic hit and we started shifting and we kept a lot of our clientele through that time in studio and uh, we started shifting everybody to the app, getting more workouts or we would live stream workouts 
you know, from home, like everyone was doing. Um, but I honestly did not like it. I, it was, I'm all in studio. It's that energy and that personal connection cannot be replaced through the screen, you know? And so, uh, you know, for us, I think that we're going to use it a lot more just for the accountability aspect, the checking in, um, things like that. But even clients that are using our online, if they're within an hour and a half, two hour drive from our studio, I will still try to figure out a way to get them in at least once a month, make that drive. We're in a big city. They can shop, do all kinds of things. And we have a few clients that do that as well, just so they can get that, that experience. And uh, what software do you use? What app platform do you use? So we actually go through Trainerize. Okay. Yep. yep. And then we did a great platform. Yeah, we love it a lot. Um, the growth that they went from when they first started to now. Um, and, you know, we just did the upgraded everything. I mean, we personalized the app, the whole mm -hmm. shebang like that. But the actual platform is very solid. Yeah. If, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think that they got bought by MindBody and that was a big explosion for them. And obviously Mind MindBody is a, a powerhouse, but just seeing, you know, that much tech and, and money come behind it just to get yeah. was probably already the best and just boom, blew it, blew it through the roof for sure. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Something that I, um, I wanted to pick your brain about as somebody with some experience here as we, as we wrap up um, with your, with you being, personal training and especially on the, um, the in-person side, um, you get really two schools of thought with billing. You have people who sell packages and people who just sell monthly recurring, like, like any other thing, like Netflix or like, you know, your big box gym membership, which way do you skew on that and why? We go to automatic billing. And when I did that, everything changed, like everything. Um, I didn't have as many cancellations. You know, that was the biggest, that's probably the biggest thing we saw was the clients wouldn't message you last minute and say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to be able to make it. Just take it off my account. They will be there. They won't yep. no, show you. They show up now because they're paying for it. Um, so the, the, the automatic billing was, it, it took us, you know, financially up, um, a time freedom and just better business management of the actual company because now you can kind of navigate what to expect and what you need to replace and projection and, and those things like that. Heck yeah, man. I, I love hearing that. Every time I think every time someone tells me they do automatic billing for personal training, I'm like, hallelujah, because it, <laughs> it really, it's a game changer. And for all the reasons, like you basically, yeah. Um, you hit, hit the nail on the head with all the things that make it better for you and for the client, because it is another layer of accountability that, that charge hits on the first of the month. And they're like, all right, I got to make it a priority to right. take my eight sessions or however it is. And for, you know, for people who are trying to make their living off this, like, all right, I know how much money's come in this month. It works on a bigger scale for people who have employees that, you know, they have families to worry about. There's, yeah. there's so many upsides to it. And as much pushback, and I say this for the listeners, because I know I'm preaching in the choir with you, but for our listeners, if you're thinking about switching, the biggest thing we hear is, oh, I don't think people are going to like it and I'm going to lose clients. Like the only clients that you're likely to lose, and don't take this as gospel, but from hearing it a lot of times, the only clients you're likely to lose are probably going to be the people that were like, 
a bang anyway. away from canceling anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. most of the time the, the people they're like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. I pay monthly for everything else, right? With right. Pay your utilities, light bill, the you know, the cable, your Netflix, everything else. That's and it. Don't, if you don't watch Netflix, they're still gonna charge you this month. Yes. Right? You turn your TV on, the cable company is still they're gonna hate they yep. don't it's like this is it's a service. This is how we do projections, we're a business. And and when you portray as a professional business, people understand it, they respect it. And they, you know, they might be like, oh yeah, but I've seen so few people get pushed back. And usually it's just those people who are looking for an excuse anyway. Yeah. Case, they're probably not the people that you're happy to see five right. times a week anyway. Yeah. It, it really doesn't change the client's life, but it will change yours. So, okay. Yeah, it was probably my most impactful change that we've had. Most difficult too, when we added that in years back, but um, it helped with the client. It helps the client with budgeting as well. And then mm-hmm. communication, it takes your communication to a whole nother level. As they know, like vacations or breaks are coming up, they'll reschedule those sessions that they're going to be gone ahead of time. So Awesome. Awesome. All right, sir. We are just about out of time. So last question I'm going to hit you with here before we get all your website and social and all that. What's the future look like? If we wave a magic wand and look five, 10 years down the line, it seems like you still get a lot of love for this thing, a lot of passion. So you're staying in it. Where do you see things, right? If we, uh, if we had the crystal ball going for the business. I would definitely still have my studio, my one-on-one. I would like to uh, add on another facility where have a small team of trainers, three to five trainers, and just um, now getting in and working, you know, with with some youth, some athletes, some athletes and things like that, and just providing like another kind of level of uh, athletic training, you know. So that's something that I've been looking at trying to do again. That's what got me into it. Um, And I had that bug. I missed kind of coaching other trainers and helping them grow their business. Um, as coming from that management background. And so that's sometimes it's like, okay, do I really want that? But um, I know that what we offer is a boy that's missing in the industry that I would like to kind of have both. So that would be the next move that we're looking at there. All right, man. So there's still, there's still a lot of, uh, a lot of impact left to be made by you, by the business, by, by the people that you're going to, uh, you're going to affect in the area. Sounds like some more opportunities for other trainers. So if you're out in the, in the Columbus area and you hear this, like keep your eyes open, pay attention, see what this man is doing. Um, that's awesome. I love to hear people that are just gonna, just gonna help more, make a bigger, bigger dent on uh, the inactivity epidemic that we might have yeah. in this world. If we, if we can call it that without offending too many people. Um, but anyway, before we let you go, uh, website, social media, all that, where can people find you? Uh, website is thereallifechanger.net. And uh, social media on Instagram, I am the real life changer as well. And then uh, Facebook, uh, Mike Price, the real life changer. Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you being on with us today. It's been a pleasure. I wish that we, uh, we could have gone a couple hours on this thing, but I'm thankful for the time we had. I wish you continued success. Thank you. Anytime, man. Appreciate it. You're very welcome. And to our listeners out there, uh, I hope you had a pen and pad for this episode. If you didn't, you need to go back and get one. Listen again. Slow it down. Do whatever you have to do. But uh, we we appreciate you being here. We wouldn't be here without you. Hope you found value and inspiration in this episode. If you want to hear more, hit the subscribe button. We'll notify you when new episodes drop on the daily. 
to everyone out there in Jim Lords Nation. Keep working hard. Keep changing lives. Jim Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.